It wasn't pretty, but the Rangers found a way to win over the Wild in a wild game indeed on Tuesday night, winning 4-3 in a shootout. Henrik was there. He was kissing Ryan Gosling. It was a beautiful night at the Garden, Molly, but a few key injuries, including Chris Kreider. We can't always have nice things on this program. Yeah, we'll get into that shortly. A couple of injury updates, as well as what Ryan Reeves had to say before his big return to the Garden, which you will not want to miss. You won't want to miss that as Molly breaks the news to the coach of what he said, catching him off guard. That's why she is our favorite journalist here, and we'll talk about it all. And we will be joined by Larry Brooks, of course, and Rangers radio announcer, co-host of the Michael K. Show on ESPN Radio New York and the Yes Network. That's right. Don LaGreca will stop by the show a little bit later on. It's all coming up next on Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post. We're pretty confident when when he's going, and uh, you know I think we got some some good skill in, in that shootout. Welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Those highlights you heard, courtesy of MSG Network. Jake Brown here, alongside Molly Walker. We'll be joined later in the show by the man who was on the call on the radio for the game on ESPN Radio New York. That would be the great Don Lagreca. We'll be joined by our own Larry Brooks in just a few minutes. Molly, old friends came to the garden once again on Tuesday night in Revo and Zuccarello and but a big win in a shootout 4-3 and a couple of injuries here, key ones. Now Gautier was back at practice, but Chris Kreider, what's the latest on him and how do the Rangers uh replace, you know, their best player? Chris Kreider uh is not going to play against the Stars on Thursday, but the interesting part about this is Alexi Lafreniere will now get another chance on the top line on the left side of Mika Zibanejad and Capo Caco, which he's played with those two. He got a little bit of a stretch there, but it was very, very short lived. Gallant didn't really seem that impressed with that trio um, after a few games and quickly split them up. But there's so much to say about the whole Alexi Lafreniere situation and we got into it pretty heavily with with Larry pretty recently but the Rangers and Gerard Gallant are are just trying to get the most out of Alexi Lafreniere and at the same time it's a really sticky situation and and we've talked about this so much I feel like we've talked about it until we're all blue in the face but Lafreniere has not been afforded the same opportunities that a lot of first overall picks have around the league or just even top picks in general, not even just first overall picks, but most of them are immediately put on the top power play. They're immediately put into the top six and they are allowed to stay there for a significant amount of time and get confidence and rack up minutes. And that just hasn't been the case for Lafreniere. Now, of course, you can make the argument that the very person who can do something about that is Gerard Gallant, but then who is Lafreniere taking minutes away from? 
who are you switching Lafreniere with on that top power play unit, which Gallant is understandably married to because it is one of the better ones in the entire NHL. So there's just so many moving parts, but I will say that it is just very interesting how Gallant has handled the entire situation. Obviously, it's a sticky situation for him and one that he doesn't seem like he particularly enjoys talking about, but in the same breath, I guess you can say. I mean, today when we asked, I asked him, you know, just kind of talking about the obstacles of of not having a guy like Chris Kreider in the lineup, who you said, Jake, is one of their best players, one of their leaders. But he turned the he turned the conversation to Lefrenier. No, Lefrenier's name was not mentioned. And he said that it is an opportunity for Alexi Lefrenier. But I think that's Gerard's old school approach of pushing the right buttons with Lafreniere and trying to motivate this young player who just hasn't really reached the potential that everybody thought that he would have this far into his career at this point, which is not even that far. It's just a little bit more slow moving than I think everybody thought. So I'm very curious to see how Lafreniere handles this opportunity that he's been given. I think it's a big spot for him. It sounds like he's going to be on the first power play unit too, which is a chance that he hasn't really gotten since he's come to New York. So now is his time. Now is as good a time as any for Lafreniere to to do something with this opportunity and kind of show that maybe he could be an option for the Rangers in that regard going forward. So we'll see. It's just, it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a headline. That's for sure. You know, it's, the first overall pick of 2020. I mean, this guy has to work out. I think I think Larry said something along the lines last time we talked about it. This is this was supposed to be the guy. So and I still think that he could be, but he's got to do something with these little opportunities that he is afforded. And we'll talk with Larry about that in just a minute. Seems like Rangers fans just want to kiss Lafreniere on the cheek, which was uh, the big storyline from Tuesday night. Uh, I've watched that video about 100 times, Molly, of uh, Ryan Reynolds, first off, next to Henrik Lundqvist. I mean, that is a GQ cover right there in the making. And apparently this was Ryan Reynolds' first Ranger game, which is like you're a grown man. You've never been to the garden, but he's a busy man making movies left and right. And then Alexander Skarsgård. Now, I don't watch Succession, so I don't know his work as well. Do you know Alexander's work at all? No, I have not gotten around to watching Succession. I can't say that I have. How great is that video? Like, yeah, one guy kiss him on the cheek. They bring him back the other. And it was good revenge for Henrik Knight when the Wilds, you know, beat the Rangers. This was a nice uh, revenge and a fun moment. You know, they always show these celebrities and they post them on Instagram. You know, sometimes I think they forget about posting some regular fans. It's always celebrities. But this one I was a big fan of because, you know, three handsome men all getting along, enjoying some Rangers hockey. Well, everybody knows that Ryan Reynolds has been considering purchasing the Ottawa Senators or at least becoming one of the investors for that team. So I think that Ryan Reynolds is trying to up his hockey reputation and who better than to sit next to Henrik Lundqvist at the Garden where every time that man's face has shown up on the Jumbotron, uh, it gets a, a, a ravenous sort of response from the crowd. But you know who also got a very warm welcome to the garden during the game against Minnesota was Ryan Reeves. And Ryan Reeves had a lot to say before yeah, the game. Apparently you broke some news to Coach Galen and uh, he caught him off guard. Uh, we were speaking to Ryan Reeves this morning and he was basically saying that he felt like maybe there could have been a little bit of better communication about his role and standing with the team. We all know how you feel about him, but I'm just curious how you saw your communication with him when he started. 
you're catching me totally off guard, Molly, so I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> a little surprised. Well, that's fair to say as well. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, ne I never heard it, never seen nothing about it, but a little surprise. Look, Ryan Reeves, we said this to him in the locker room. He's always worth talking to. Always. He always keeps it real. He's always honest. He's an open book. As a member of the media, that's really all you can ask for from a player. But he had some very interesting things to say about the way uh he departed from the Rangers. And there's also a lot of moving parts with this one. But basically what Ryan Reeves was saying was that he felt like there probably could have been better communication from the Rangers, coaching staff management up and down, just in terms of his role, his standing with the organization and what was going on in terms of whether or not he was going to be traded. He basically said that it was put out there that Reeves was the one who requested the trade. And he basically called that a half truth and a half lie. That once he approached the Rangers and asked them what his standing was, where he was in with the organization, and they told him that he wasn't going to be playing every night going forward, his agent then found out that there was a trade with Minnesota in the works before he even approached them. So at that point, once Reeves heard that, he's the kind of guy, he said he's always lived by, you go where you wanted. So once he caught wind of that, he basically said, all right, if you're doing this, then you don't want me here, then get it done and I want out. Um, so that's kind of how it unfolded. And it's kind of a, a trend with the Rangers. I guess you could say that the communication between the front office and the players isn't always the best especially for a guy like Ryan Reeves, who, who who has come in and he was so well-respected, so well-liked, did a lot for the team's morale and camaraderie, just a very valued guy in that room. He probably did deserve a little bit more respect in that regard, especially for Gallant. He's, we all know how Gallant feels about him. He says it all the time. He had him in Vegas. They have a pre-existing relationship. He thinks the world of him. We all know this to be true. Um, but that should have made it easier to, I guess, sit Reeves down and just be like, look, you've kind of fallen off the depth depth chart a little bit here. We got to give other guys more of a more of a look. We want a speedier kind of look for our lineup. And that didn't really include him. And the the best thing about Reeves is he knows who he is. He's never tried to be anything that he isn't. And that's the real part about Reeves. But regardless, the Rangers did right by Reeves. They sent him to a place where he's also going to be valued, where he's going to play. He's going to be able to play the rest of the season and play himself into a, a, another contract going forward. He All he wants to do is win a cup. He wants to get to a thousand games. He still has goals that he wants to achieve in the NHL. And the Rangers set him up to do that. So all in all, the Rangers did do right by Ryan Reeves, but I think that it comes down to the communication thing again, which is something that I think the Rangers as an organization need to kind of reevaluate how they do things. Let's talk about Reeves and everything blue shirts now with Larry Brooks, who joins us. Follow Larry on Twitter, NYP underscore Brooksy. Larry, let's start with Kreider. I guess no updates yet, but you know, how long do you see this potentially being, and how do the Rangers replace uh, one of their top guys? I don't know. Uh, Gerard Gallant said it was short-term rather than long-term. Does that mean one game or one week? That's impossible to say. Obviously, he's not going to play against Dallas on Thursday. I think he's probably iffy for Sunday, Monday. But uh, again, we, you know, kind of in the dark. I think 
I think this opens up an opportunity for Lafreniere to get some minutes, to be put in a position to succeed, to jumpstart a season that honestly has kind of been a flat line for him. I mean, Chris is one of my favorite people, but beyond that, you never want to see anyone injured. But I think if it's a short-term, short-term absence, um, I think it it could benefit the Rangers um, if it benefits Lafreniere. Now, you know, if Lafreniere struggles up there, then we're, you know, then we're back to square one. I think this is the time for Lafreniere to take advantage of this opportunity. And I think everyone there are going to be a lot of eyes on him, as there always are. You know, first overall, he's been taught, you know, talked about since he was 14, 15 years old. It, it hasn't, it ha- you know, <laughs> the first two and a half years have not been, I'm sure, what it, what he expected, what the Rangers expected. Yes, there are circumstances around it, but this is a good opportunity for him. So, you know, the Rangers might actually benefit. Sometimes, you know, sometimes, you know, even if you're forced to take a half step back or a step back, it can benefit you in in being able to take two or three steps forward and sooner rather than later. That's my view of, of giving some of the younger players more ice time is that it might cost them a game. It might. Probably won't, but it might. And I understand how important every game is and the race they're in. Making the the playoffs this year is not optional for them. You know, they're they're expected to make it. They need to make the playoffs. You know, you don't go from uh, conference finalists to missing the playoffs. It's not acceptable. Um, so they need to make the playoffs. I get it. And you never know which game, you know, when you lose, if you lose a point, is that going to keep us out? But I don't think you can be so tunneled vision tunnel vision on every single game to say this is a must win this is a must win this is this is a must win you know if if you know hypothetically one of the kids contributes to a defeat well maybe in three weeks that kid will be the reason that you win three games you know you, you know you you have to allow players to make mistakes you have to give players opportunities to grow and i and i listen we been talking about this and writing about this since Lafreniere was drafted. Like, what were they going to do with their left wings? Were they going to stack their left wings? Who would they move to the right? I always assumed Lafreniere would move to the right because I thought it would be a lot easier for an 18-year-old to switch than, say, Kreider, you know, who had played his entire life on, on the left side, and Panarin, who had played his, basically his NHL career on the left side. So you say, okay, this is your first year. We want you to move to the right. So that's kind of what I what I envisioned, but it hasn't happened. If Lafreniere can't play on the right, I'm I'm not sure what the Rangers are looking at. And you know, but this hasn't snuck up on anybody. You know, honestly, I've been writing about it for three years, and nothing's changed because he sometimes goes to the right, but he winds up back on the left. So I think this is a you know a major opportunity for him, and I, I think it's um, I think it's going to be enlightening to a certain extent. He's starting from a standing stop, so you know I I don't you know I don't I don't know you know what's fair to expect or not, but I think we need to see something from him. You know I think you need to see engagement. Um, I think you need to see him battling. I think you need to see him around the net. I think you need to see him with scoring chances uh, because that line with Kreider on it over the last four or five games since they've uh, moved up Kako has been a possession machine. I mean, they they have the puck below the hash marks, you know, for 30, 40 seconds at a time. Last night against um, Minnesota, I mean, they, they could have slash should have scored four or five goals in the first period. It was, it was just dominant and, and into the second. 
um, but they didn't score. And, um, you know, so so I think it's going to be on, you know, th- there's some pressure on Lafreniere, but but he should look at this. It's just a, a great opportunity for him to show what he has. Jake and I were just talking about Ryan Reeves's very interesting return to Madison Square Garden. And you and I had talked about, obviously, general managers, Chris Jerry, have no obligation to tell players step by step when a trade is coming or in the works. And and it was pretty known that, especially when a guy like Gallant, who we all know how he feels about Reeves and and their relationship, the fact that he wasn't playing him kind of sounded alarm bells around the league that Reeves might be available. Um, And they did do right by him, which I just got into uh, a few minutes ago. But I'm just curious what you made of Ryan Reeves's comments. I understand he might have been um, his feelings might have been bruised. I'm I'm not sure exactly why he had the stand. I mean, he also had the standing to walk into the coach's office and say, "What's going on?" Um, Which it sounds like that's what he did. And 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 he was told he wasn't going to play every game. But when you get scratched seven out of eight, you know, you, I think you should be prepared for for being moved. Um, I don't know exactly what 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 the beef was there, you know, with Reeves, if, if it really was one or if it was, or, or if it was something he just wanted to say, I don't think the Rangers disrespected Ryan Reeves in any fashion. I, I just don't. They in fact probably extended his career because one of the conditions of the trade from Vegas was that he get an, a, a one-year extension on his deal. So that's what he's working on this year. And this year he now has a chance to get another contract for, you know, for next season, who knows what would have happened last year. You know, I doubt he would have gotten a deal for 1.75. If he were a free agent last summer, I don't think he's going to get a deal for 1.75 next summer as a free agent. So he, I think he understood his, I think he understood how tenuous his position was at training camp. I remember talking to him in training camp and he said, I asked him, do you think you have a job? And he said, well, if I do, I'm going to keep it. And if I don't, I'm going to earn it. So, you know, and he played early in the season and it was, it, you know, it was difficult. He couldn't keep up. And even last night in the, in the game, he, he had a couple of big hits. He had a couple of ships, good ships, and which is where he put, which is pretty much the way he played when he was with the Rangers. But then the second half of the game, and I mean, I'm not sure how much he was on the ice, but he, you know, he, he you know, he didn't play a major role. And the Rangers have other players who they, you know, Gautier has been an upgrade on him. Um, even, you know, Brzezinski to, you know, to a large extent has, has been an upgrade on him. Um, so, you know, maybe it was something he needed to get off his chest. I don't think there's anything to second guess here, the way the Rangers dealt with Ryan Reeves, the way they treated him. You also, you had a, a pretty in-depth column about Philip Heedle after the game. I mean, he had another really great game, scored the 3-3 goal. And basically, you were just advocating for for more ice time for him. Could you just tell us a little bit about your point of view on that? Yeah, I think, you know, there's been so much energy expended on whether how the Rangers should give more ice time to Lafreniere, how they should give more ice time to Kako, how they need to be top six players. Well, Philip is the best of, of the three. You know, I mean, he's had the best season and he I mean, he has just progressed. He's, he's also older and more experienced. So. You know, it, it it falls in line, but he has been on an upswing and he is where there is room for Lafreniere on the right and Kakal on the right in the top six, if that's the way they want to play it, if Lafreniere can play the right. Right now, there is no room for Philip Pito in the top six if they're going to keep Trocek as the second line center. 
And what I would like, I, I think, you know, I, I mean, and, and Trocek, he's a, he's a Gallant favorite, knows him from far. He's a good player. He's a good player. He plays with bite. You know, he's in on the puck. He does a lot of the things that, that the coach wants, um, that any coach would want. He's a good teammate. He's a good guy, but he's stopping Philip Heedle right now. I would like to see, and, and, you know, there were, there were a few games here and there where they were, where Heedle got to play with Panarin, but I would like to see a line of Panarin, Heedle, and you tell me who's on the right. If you tell me that you want Barkley Goodrow there, that's fine with me. If you tell me that you want Jimmy VC, okay. If you tell me that it's going to be Krabsoff or Lafreniere, that's fine. But I, I want, Heedle to get a run at second line center. That's what I want. I because if he is trapped, he's not going to stay. You know, he he's a restricted free agent this year. He's going to get a huge bump on his two point three. Are the Rangers going to be able to a Are the Rangers going to be able to afford to keep Philip Heedle? And if they do, how much are they going to wind up paying him to be a third line center who never gets on the power play because the second unit doesn't get on? You know, an ongoing issue with this team. Beyond that. In two years, he'll be an unrestricted free agent. Why in the world would he stay if he's going to be the third-line center, if he's locked in at the third-line center? So I would like to see he'll you know, get minutes as a second-line center now, for now and for the future. And, and this is exactly what I'm talking about. Maybe you take a half step back or a, you know, a third of a step back. I don't really think so, but maybe. Maybe you do today. But in three weeks, maybe you've taken four steps forward. So, you know, I, I think they need to find Philip Heedle ice time because he is earning it. Every game he plays, he's earning it. The power play is, is a major issue because that stops these guys from getting more ice time, from getting offensive ice time, where, you know, where they can work on their skills, where they can have a little fun. You know, I mean, the power play should be fun. The first power play unit isn't producing at a high enough rate to 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 demand these kinds of minutes. Honestly, you know, this first power play unit is underperforming. They should not be somewhere between 12th and 14th or 15th in the league, or, or, you know, whatever it is today. They should be a top five or top six with, you know, you've got Fox, you've got Panarin, you've got Cryer, you've got Zabanajan, right? I mean, they're loaded. But even like even last night, two power plays in the first four or five minutes, they don't score in either. They have a power play in overtime, just like they did in Tampa. They don't score on that. So, you know, you get it. You know, you know, power plays are kind of streaky. Most teams' power plays are streaky. But, you know, they're they're average. They're like, like they're an average power play off their production. They look really good. They look much, much better than that. You know, these these possessions where they hold it in the in the zone for a minute 45. But in order to demand these minutes, in order to be awarded these minutes, you would think they were a top five or top six unit, and they're not. There's a logjam for minutes, and 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 it's not breaking because they're not getting their minutes. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that would be the first step. I also really don't understand why this first unit is inviolate. I, again, they're not performing that well. Why you couldn't switch up personnel once in a while? I don't get that. I really, I, I really don't. And it's not even, and and, and even it's, it's not as if Ryan Strom is still there. You know, when Ryan Strom was still there, that was a power play that at times operated at twenty five percent, twenty nine percent over a two or three month period. They're, they're, they haven't been close to that, you know, this year. And and I'm not sure that, other than the fact that he's a righty, you know, does Trocek deserve to be there ahead of Heedle? I, I don't know. I mean, you know, again, Trocek gets so much ice time. 
you know, kills penalties. He's on the first power play unit. He gets a ton of time on, you know, now playing with Panarin. I think it's, um, I think, I think, you know, the way the coach is allotting time is kind of a roadblock to, you know, to these guys. Does it help them win tonight's game? Maybe, maybe. Does it help them win a month from now? I'm not so sure. Read Larry Brooks' coverage of the Rangers in the post and nypost.com, nyp underscore Brooksy on Twitter. Larry, thanks for uh, coming on. Thank you. All right, Don LaGreca will join the show next. Ed Crane Pool! Ed Crane Pool! That's your guy! That's who should wear a jersey! You should go to the stadium, Ed Crane Pool! That's the guy, that's the Ed! There's no one else! There's literally, Michael, no one else! Up in the Blue Seats podcast, Jake Brown, Andrew Hart's here with our guest this week. You can hear him. Call many of the Rangers games as their play-by-play guy on ESPN Radio New York. You also hear him on the pre- and post-game show as well. And you catch him during the day on ESPN Radio 98.7 FM on the Michael K. Show, 3 to 7 p.m. And as well on the Yes Network. And if you want to hear his podcast, it is Game Misconduct. Go listen, subscribe, wherever you get podcasts. Let's welcome to the show for the first time, Jersey native, fellow Mets fan, Don LaGreca. Don, welcome to the show. How are you? Jake and Andrew, how are you guys? I'm supposed to give, I've watched this, so I think I'm supposed to give like a peace sign. I'm supposed to do something to signify that I belong. Yeah, it's basically the thumbnail for the show. We need a good (laughs) thumbnail where we're smiling, like with thumbs up so hearts could capture that. How's Um, that? Yeah, there we go. All right, all right. You ever find yourself talking sports on the Rangers call? Like, do you ever just like you're doing it all day as your job? Are you ever like eager with the save? And uh, Correa signed a six year deal with the Twins. Uh, what do you think, Dave? <laughs> all right. Well, it's very funny you say that. And I wish Dave was here to back this up. Every once in a while, I make an observation like I don't like the shootout. It's a it's a glorified skills competition. Or you know, would you pull the goaltender with a two man advantage and get a three man advantage? And Dave will say to me, all right, talk show, Don, let's get back to the game. Like, he doesn't want to deal with that. Like, he wouldn't allow it to happen. You know, he's just like, listen, let's let's stick to the game. Let's not start debating. And then Dave will say something like it was a couple of years ago. It was late in the season. The Rangers were out of it, but they were playing the Penguins and the Penguins were still battling for something. Dave goes, you know what? The Rangers not needing the game just to knock out Pittsburgh. Why don't they pull the goaltender here in a tie game? try to win it in regulation. And I'm like, whoa, Dave, that sounds like you want to debate like it's talk radio. Let's get back to the game. <laughs> so it, it's funny you say that because it is kind of a joking thing that Dave and I have during the broadcast. Well, it's funny because last night, obviously, the game ended in a shootout, which I, you mentioned it already. And I personally, I'm one of those fans where I, I hate it. I do. I don't get it, especially when you consider you go to the playoffs, the most important games of your season and those games don't get settled in shootouts, but we changed the rules for the rig. I'm sorry. I just, I still cannot get behind it. I get it. Everyone wants a winner. God forbid the team ends in a tie or game ends in a tie. I can't stand it. What is your alternate solution to the shootout? Are you very much as happy with ending in a tie? Both team gets points. I, I would have no problem with a tie. I don't understand why people freak out over ties. I, I got somebody that I work with. One of our, um, one of our executive producers at ESPN is like, I, I would rather lose than tie. I'm like, you're a moron. <laughs> A, a, a tie is better than a loss. It's different grades, right? You'd rather win, but if you're if you're not if you're going to lose, I'd rather tie. Get a point. Point still, and you still get the point. But you know, you go back to Saturday, right? And and Saturday was an amazing game, tremendous atmosphere, very evenly played. It wouldn't make sense to me 
if that game had gone to a shootout. Uh, listen, I didn't want to see the Devils score and win the game in overtime, but if that game had gone to a shootout, it would have been an injustice, right? Because it was so evenly played and so much fun to watch. Last night, kind of the same thing, although I think the Rangers were the better team for a good portion of it, especially in the first period, but you know what I mean. Um, what's wrong with a tie? All right, you played hard, you finish in a tie, and you get your point, you go home, and now the skills competition, and even though from a tiebreaker standpoint, the loss, the win is devalued for tiebreakers. Still, it, it 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 seems weird that an extra point goes to a team and it's not about defense. It's not about checking. It's not about being a heavy team. It's just my skill player is better than your goaltender on that particular moment. So I, I can't stand it, but it doesn't look like it's going anywhere. As far as an alternative, I, I wish there was a way that we can extend the three-on-three um, maybe come get a dry scrape, play an additional three minutes. I know the ice conditions, especially in some arenas, that may not work out as well. But if there was a way to kind of extend the three-on-three, which I think is fun and thrilling and exciting, if they could make that work, that would be, uh, I think, a much better alternative than what we have now. Tell me about this Rangers team. I mean, obviously, they've come back around. They they kind of started the season a little slow, whatnot. Now they're sitting third. They're at 53 points in a very, very tough division what are you seeing from them? What do you like from them? Where are we going from here? Well, you nailed it early on. There was a lot of inconsistency. It just didn't seem what team was going to show up. And I thought about this after they picked up the win uh, or the, the point against the Devils on Saturday. That was exactly the midway point. 41 games played with 51 points. That puts them on pace for 102. That's comfortably a playoff team to me, even in this very interesting Metropolitan Division and Eastern Conference. And I thought, they could play better in the second half than they did in the first because there were some lulls there. There were some tough times. You look at the bottom three teams in the league, right? I, I didn't look at it today, but it's, you know, the Blackhawks are the worst team in the league, Columbus, Anaheim. What do all three of those teams have in common? They've all got wins against the Rangers. Like, there were times that Black, how did they lose to the Blackhawks 5-2? to two? They got schooled by Columbus early in the season at the Garden. They were awful at home early in the season. So I think they can play better in the second half. Now that puts you in the maybe you creep up to 106, 108 points. Maybe you're talking about winning the division again, being where you were last year. So I like where they are. We'll see what happens with this Kreider injury. Obviously, that's something that you've got to be a little worried about. Uh, as of this recording, we don't know, but it doesn't look like it's good. I don't think we're going to have him probably the rest of the week. Maybe not until next, maybe the Boston game, I would think. I don't want to speculate, but it didn't look good, guys, that hit and him not being able to finish the game. And Gauthier, you know, didn't finish the game either. But I, I like where this team is right now. The goaltending can be better. Uh, I think they're going to make a deal They like they did last year. So I I'm excited about this team. I feel really good about where this team is right now. And then once you get to the postseason, we'll see. But I feel I, I feel really good moving forward with this team. All right, Don, Chris, Drury, LaGreca, put on your GM hat now. Is there a name, a couple of targets? You know, we talk all the time about Patrick Kane on the show, but are there a few names that intrigue you here that the Rangers should go after? Well, you just nailed it. I mean, it, it makes too much sense, Patrick Kane. Now, again, I don't know the heavy lifting with the salary cap. I would think Chicago maybe takes some money to make it work, make it fit. Uh, as far as the cap is concerned, he's a right winger. He can help on the power play. It just seems like it's a it's a no-brainer, right? Chicago, they obviously don't want to gain any more points. They want to get that first overall pick, right? And 
I, I hate to say tanking, but you know, take a look at where they are. They've won a couple of games in a row, but they're not a good team. Taves is probably going to go as well. So why not get, you know, jump in, be a part of that? That's the need, right? I mean, obviously everybody would love extra this, extra that. I, I think the blue line is fine. I, I think that third pairing with Harper and um, Schneider have been terrific. So, yeah, maybe a little depth there, but nothing that you would say is a need. Uh, you always love centers, but I, I think right now they're in good shape there. I, I think a right winger, Patrick Kane, just makes too much sense for me right now. It does. So I can't think of any other names that are popping in that seem as realistic as that. Uh, I talked to the people in Chicago where they were in town and I was out there that they didn't think anything would happen until probably closer to the deadline. Um, so I think that's fine for the Rangers because it's not like they're any threat of completely dropping out of the playoffs. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that to me is the biggest target. It makes sense. It's Broadway. He's a ton of experience. He's got rings jingling and jangling. I mean, all the things that you want in a player just makes perfect, perfect sense. And I think it helps the fact that he's already played with one of the star players on the Rangers as well too, Artemi Panarin, which I mean, to have a, a combo like that, I just feel like you said, it kind of makes just all the sense in the world. But in my mind, it now comes down to how much are you willing to give up to get that rental player? And that's what Drury did such a great job of last year where he didn't really give up too much and yet he improved the squad so much. And, and honestly, that's what I feel at least helped propel them to where they got last year in the playoffs. Yeah, you, you're talking picks, you're talking young defense. I would think that's what Chicago would be looking for earlier in the season, I would say, you know, maybe you'd be willing to give up Vitaly Kraftsoff, but now he's kind of coming into his own. I kind of want to see where this is going to end up. He, you know, he's getting a chance to play in the top six. Uh, he's contributing. He's looking like he's belonging. So I'm not as hyped to give him up just yet. Cause I think long-term he could be a nice answer to that position, but you know, Chicago's not going to give him away for nothing, but at the same time, I don't think they'll hold the Rangers hostage either because they're not going to want anything on the Rangers roster that can actually help them win games because they don't want to get accumulate too many points in the standings, but they've got a complete rebuild. So um, Chris has been great. Like you said, the additions of Toronto and Cop last year were, let's face it, the, the reason, and probably the reason for the slow start because they both left uh, during the offseason. But I've got a lot of faith in Chris. He'll pull the right uh, trigger on this. What is your story? Now, you're from Jersey. Did You, you grew up a Devils fan. Are you still a Devils fan? What, what's no, your story? How, how, how could I? Even in promoting, I was going to be on. You know, Jake, you do know Don's a Devil fan. How could I possibly be a Devil fan anymore? Seriously, I, I listen, I, mean, I grew up in Jersey. I was introduced to, fell in love with hockey when the Devils came here. My girlfriend, now wife, was a season ticket holder. My best friend was a Devil fan. My first game was, uh, I think it was, um, yeah, it was, I know, February 22nd, 1987, Devils-Islanders at the uh, Meadowlands. 6 nothing Islander win. I think a goal went off of Claude Loisel's head into the net. Me and my friend bouncing around, sitting in different places in what was like a half-empty arena at the time. And that's how I fell in love with hockey. I'm not going to apologize for that. But when you make certain decisions, when you decide you want to have a career, and when I was offered the chance to do pre and post for the Rangers in 05, I wasn't going to turn it down. I love hockey. I love being around hockey. And then getting a chance to back up Kenny on play-by-play in 08, that's when it really started to be like, I'm, I'm traveling with this team. I'm staying in the same hotel with them. I'm getting to know them. Um, Scott Gomez, who was actually a friend of mine, ended up becoming a Ranger. You know, it, it just And then in 2012, that conference final, I was on the boards. I was the third announcer. I was, they would throw to me coming out of commercial break. What's the ice conditions? How does this look? How does that look? It's just like the rink announcer kind of thing. And I was on, I was at the net that Henrik scored. And there's 
a celebration. They act, they, they actually came to the glass where I was. And I'm thinking to myself, well, this is the team I grew up following um, that I that I fell in love with hockey with. And I should be happy for them that they're going to the Stanley Cup final. But work's over. Rangers are out. There's no more games to do. And I'm not going to go on Bruce Beck's show on Sunday to talk about the Devils. They have me talk about the Rangers. You know, we're not going to be talking much Devils on the Michael K show. But when the Rangers were in it, we're talking more hockey. And I'm like, I'm disappointed. You know, so right then and there, at that point, it wasn't like, whoa, my favorite team that I grew up with is going to the Stanley Cup final. It's, well, the team I work for is out. And then getting a chance to call a Stanley Cup final game one against the Kings two years later, being a part of the run last year. Guys, it's just I, I love I love the Rangers. I love hockey. I love being around this team. They treat me well. When I was sick in the hospital with COVID last February, Chris Drury's texting me, asking me how I'm doing. I, mean, <laughs> uh, I, I it's over. You know, like, like, uh, I don't, I'm not kidding. <laughs> you know, Tommy Fitzgerald's not texting me, asking me how I'm doing. Right. Uh, it's just. It just becomes a no-brainer. That just I, I, here's the analogy I use. People don't want to buy it. See if you guys do. Well, what what if I played hockey and I love the Toronto Maple Leafs? Growing up in Toronto, living and dying with the Leafs, and I play hockey and I get drafted by the Canadians. Do I still root for the the Maple Leafs or do I am all in on the Canadians? I'd be all in on the Canadians, right? That's what happened to me. I got drafted by the, De- the Rangers, and you know this is the team I root for, and. I want all three local teams to do well, more hockey to talk about. I'm, I'm thrilled that all three of these teams are, are pretty good. But, uh, the Don, you're a Devil fan. Uh, I'm sorry. It, it's it, it's over. It has to be over. I thought that you were going to take a little stab at uh, John Tavares there with the uh, drafted by the Islanders, but grew up as a Maple Leaf fan. But, but it's okay, though. Listen, that's that, that story is over and done with. But uh... You make decisions. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't want to like take up too much of your time here, but like Bill Parcells. We, we had Bill Parcells on the K-Show the other day. And he talks about how the Giants are in his blood. He'll always be a Giant. He loves the Giants since he was a kid. Bill, you were talking to the Falcons when you won the Super Bowl in 86. You know, you you bailed on the uh, the Giants after they won the Super Bowl in 1990 because of your heart condition. But then when you came back, you know, you ended up coaching the Jets and the, the Cowboys, for God's sake, because business and pleasure don't mix. Like. There's things that are in your heart and there's things that are in your head and there's things that you're in your bank account, you know, so you make decisions. But once you make those decisions and and I'm a kind of person that's all in. So I'm all on this Ranger team. It's been, you know, 15 years I've been doing play by play over close to 20 years of doing the pre and post. So there's another life that I've moved on from. Anyone who listens to the K show, honestly, I, I. I listen to it quite frequently. One of my favorite segments since COVID actually has become the Daily Dawn segment. You do a bang up job with it. There are some times where I disagree with you. And listen, that's that's all part of the game, I feel like. But I've got a little segment that, that I want to run with you in, in honor of the Daily Dawn segment. It's called Who You Taking Out? So I've, I like that. So I've got a few topics here off the top of your head of the three who you taking out. So we'll start off with an easy one. We'll go Michael K, Peter Rosenberg, Dave Rothenberg. Who you taking out? Like to, to work with or just in life? Just in life. Oh, in life. Wow. Geez. I mean, that's a tough question. You know what? I'm going to say Michael just to, go to drive everybody crazy. We don't have a lot in common. He's a Yankee guy. I'm a Met guy. He's a basketball guy. I'm a hockey guy. Uh, he, I, I enjoy food. He eats the same three things all the time. I love music. He just loves, you know, he rotates Billy Joel and Bruce Springsteen. Um, he doesn't, uh, has any remembrance at all of any movies he saw. Meanwhile, I'll watch, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood on a loop 
we have nothing. So I'll take Michael out just because we almost have zero in common. Fair enough. You mentioned music as well. So how about this one? Anthrax, Pantera, Metallica. Who are you taking out? This is going to drive a lot of people out of their minds because I love all three bands. But I, I think I take out Pantera. Now, listen, you can make the case Pantera is the best. That Well, not Metallica. Metallica is the best. Pantera is better than Anthrax. I get that. But um, and I saw I saw Pantera. I used to intern at K Rock, uh, and and Z Rock was also there at the time in 1990. So I remember seeing Pantera back in the early 90s. So I'm a fan of all three. You're not touching Metallica, but I've got a special place in my heart for Anthrax. I, I started to become friendly with Frank Bello, uh, their bassist. I I saw them. Uh, I I was at Iron Maiden when um, when e- Scott Ian's car was turned over and set on fire. <laughs> like I, I I just Joey Belladonna almost came on my college radio show 30 years ago. I talked to him on the phone. I went to pick him up in Nyack to be on my radio show at Rampo College, but it started raining and he he didn't wait outside anymore, so he didn't get to come on the show. I, so the point is, I've got a real real special place in my heart for Anthrax. So I'm going to take out Pantera. You got the 2007 New York Football Giants Championship. You had the 2000 Stanley Cup Devils Championship. And you have the 1986 Mets Championship. Who are you taking out? Wow. Can't wow. be the Mets. Cannot be. Well, no, 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 no. Well, listen. Well, the, the 2000 Devils I'm going to take out for this reason. All right. Even if I was still a Devil fan, I would take out the 2000 Devils. Because that's the one cup. they Remember, they won it in Dallas. So I was not there. I was there in 03 when they beat the Ducks. I was there in 95 uh, when they um, when they won the cup against Detroit. So that's an easy one. 07, I was there. I was the, the, the helmet catch. Come on. That's that's just too good. That's great sports. And in 86, that was the first championship I ever experienced. The Giants ended up winning the Super Bowl a few months later. But the first ever championship that I ever experienced as a fan was 86. So we're not touching 86. We're not touching 07. Goodbye, 2000 Devils. Easy answer. 20 plus years of the K show. Did you think this uh, this ride would go as long as it's been going? No, no. Uh, I, I wasn't even sure about the station. I mean, we were a startup station. Things started out real slow. And, you know, Michael doing Yankees and doing the show. I, I just always felt early on that this event would, would eventually run out, right? He'll he'll end up leaving. He'll quit. Uh, and then, then once we started gaining momentum, uh, what was it um, in 2012? We we converted over to FM. That's when you started to see that we gained traction and the ratings started to grow. And then I really felt comfortable. But first four or five years, it was like at any moment, this is going to he's going to he's going to decide he can't do both. So once we got past that hump, then I'm not surprised. But if you had asked me when we first started, no, there was no shot. Do we know how much longer? You know, Andrew Marshan's writing the story in the post uh, about Kay's future. Obviously, you don't need to comment on that, but how much longer do you think this is going? Because this was you're both busy guys. You're traveling. It's, you know, how much longer you got? Well, the thing is, is that we both um, have young families, right? Uh, his kids are, what, 10 and 8. Mine, my twins just turned 5. It changes the perspective a, a lot. You know, you're trying to carve out time. Um, so I, I can't speak for other people. I want to continue to do it forever. I love it. It's it's so much fun. I've been at the station um, September will be 22 years. The K show has been on for over 20 years together. I love working with Peter. We've been doing that now for, for seven years. So 
I, I can't answer for Michael or Peter. I really can't. Uh, all I can say is, is that, you know, I don't want a Deverant. By the way, how about last night? I mean, Sam Rosen, I thought he kept saying Capri Sun, and I was getting thirsty uh, for Kaprizov. Is that his name? Capri Sun? Capri did, did you f- find yourself sounding like Capri Sun, right? Or no? No, uh, Kaprizov didn't flow off the tongue when he first came into the league, and now he's become so good. But uh, no, I, I, uh, Capri Sun is what you think. Uh, it sounded it, close. It, it, I, was, <laughs> I was thinking of like middle school lunch bag. Like I didn't think about that. I'm glad we're not playing them anymore. Now you put that in my head. I don't know what what would what because it, it's weird when you're doing play by play. It's one thing when you're just having general conversation about players, but when you have to say their names really fast. You're kind of surprised what comes out. Like, who was the goaltender in Carolina the other day? Kochenkov. Kochekov. I'm sorry, it was Kochekov. And I kept saying Kochenkov. I kept throwing like an N in there. And Dave's like, you're not saying it's Kochekov. I I was like, yeah, but I got to say it quick. I don't have the chance to go Kochekov. Because by the time I kind of slowly enunciate it, the the puck's on the other side of the ice. You know, so... And it's so it's you know, then it gets in your head. And I'm like, oh, don't say Kolchenkov. It's Kolchenkov. Uh, you that know, must it's- happen nightly because there's so many long names like you have to really hammer those down and study them and talk to the uh, coach or whoever's in charge of that with the PR of the team of how to pronunciate it. And- yeah. And it's just like in and sometimes it's just like even Shesterkin. It just sometimes it's now because he's our goaltender. I'll just say, you know, Igor, it just because it just flows better. Because when you're kind of like going at a certain pace, these names could be like speed bumps. You know, you're going 60 miles per hour and then you got to slow down to say the name and the game just doesn't dictate that kind of pace. So, yeah, I'm trying to there's there's some names that are just like there there was somebody the other day. It's like, oh, don't don't play. Please don't play. And then and they like and then there's some that are so easy. Like I the the defenseman in Montreal, Jack guy. But uh, it's fine. His name's Jack. I I'm, I'm just I kept having to remind myself, please say I don't slip and say off. Say I I mean, that Freudian you know, slip. No, no. But if you look at this, did you see the spelling of his name? Look it up. You would never think it's Jack. I so when I'm preparing for the game and, and he's the third, he's a good player, but he's the third pair defenseman. And listen, I haven't seen a lot of Montreal this year. They're not very good. Uh, it was like, thank God it's Jack. I take a look. Look it up. Uh, it, it's. It's Arbor Jack Eye, and it, it begins with an X. His name begins with an X. It's like just somebody threw up letters. And I'm like, how did they come up with Jack Eye? You know, it, so it's, but believe so, it's so much fun. X H E K A J. Only in hockey. How? How? It's like Brady Shea, right? But like, yeah. yeah. You know, we didn't have to worry about Brady Shea because he was our guy. But I, I remember everywhere I'd go around the NHL, didn't matter how good Brady Shea became. PA announcer or the out of town play by play guy. How do you pronounce this? Brady, Brady J. Sky? Is it Sky? <laughs> Would you believe I still get people asking me, how do we pronounce Zavanajad? I'm like, the guy's a star. He's been only forever, really. I'm sure I probably ask and they roll their eyes about their players. Don LaGreca, if you catch him. On the Michael K. Show on ESPN Radio New York, 98.7 FM. Every day you catch him on ESPN Radio for play-by-play for the Rangers, as well as the pre- and post-game, and you could download his podcast, Game Misconduct. Next time we'll have you on. Uh, I guess I'll have to wrap next time, and uh, we'll uh, we'll go from there. Be ready. I yeah. want to hear this. Thanks, Don, for coming on. We appreciate it. Good to talk to you. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Sometimes you have to work for it a little harder, but today we play... We play good consistently whole game and, and yeah, I think we deserve the two points. 
All right, Molly, that wraps up episode 109 of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from New York Post. Thanks to Larry Brooks for joining us. Thanks to Don LaGreca for joining us. If you want to see the full in-depth Don LaGreca interview, you can go to the New York Post Sports YouTube page and watch that full uncut interview there. Had a lot of fun with Don, who is getting a call a lot of the games with Kenny Albert, a busy, busy man. So Don, I believe he said he's called 30 of the 42 games on the radio this year. Thanks to Andrew Hartz for joining me on that. And thanks to Andrew Hartz for helping me produce the show the rangers bagel bag can you explain what the, what's going on with the bagels honestly i haven't asked anybody on the rangers about it i just kind of saw it standing outside of the locker room in montreal and i got such a kick out of it if it were up to me i also would be bringing new york and new jersey bagels with me everywhere that i went because you just can't trust it anywhere else in the country so gotta respect the hustle what kind of bagel girly are you are you a <laughs> sesame with butter are you a plain with cream cheese what are you locks like, there? everybody was making such a big deal about jimmy vc's bagel order i mean that's because he just said he likes a plain bagel and he didn't specify anything on it i'm sure he likes something on it i mean maybe maybe i'll uh do the journalistic duty and and ask him myself about that when i get a second but i'm a big uh you know classic bacon egg and cheese salt and pepper on a plain bagel i do like plain bagels so i i can't give them flack for that well, I'm are you also... cream cheese or butter what are you i could do both okay. it, it kind of depends on what i'm feeling i'm a plain too don't hate on the plain especially because they're so you good can. here um right. by me i i i'll get plain with cream cheese i get locks the issue with locks is they're so expensive when i yeah. get when i get a bagel with cream cheese with locks it's like 13 dollars i'm like like, come on. Like, that's insane. So locks, I'm newer to the locks game, which is crazy because I'm Jewish. I'm, I'm about two years ago. I had locks for like the first time. And fell that is stuff. blasphemous. Yeah. Late, late to the locks game. That sounds like a rap single. Um, but don't hate on the plain bagel. I've also got an egg bagels lately as yep. well as sesame with butter is my other one. But big uh, egg bagel with cream cheese guy. Well, well, we'll figure out the toppings of choice of the Rangers. Some hard hitting journalism coming up. You can follow Molly on Twitter at Molly Walker. Two E's, two R's. Follow me at Jake Brown Radio and catch up on all old episodes of Up in the Blue Seeds wherever you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, or subscribe to New York Post Sports YouTube and go to the folder there for full episodes of the show. For Molly Walker, Don LaGreca, Larry Brooks, Andrew Hartz, I'm Jake Brown. We will return next week with another episode of the program. Thanks for listening to Up in the Blue Seats. Enjoy your bagels, everybody.